Who is God in modern America? Pat and our team seek the answer to this question and many more as we navigate life as Christians in America today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Millennial God Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Samuels, and I'm here with the wonderful Helen Rogers. Uh, She's the director of Agape Pregnancy Support Center here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I had the awesome opportunity to work with Helen here at Agape for a few months. And honestly, I think the work that they're doing here is a great example of what God expects from the church. Uh, And because of that, I think that everyone listening would really benefit uh, from her experience. And so, uh, Helen, thanks for thanks for joining us on the Millennial God podcast. Uh, let's start with you, uh, and then we'll kind of move on to Agape from there. But uh, first off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you ended up here in Fayetteville? Okay, I was raised in a Christian home with a godly mom and dad um, that taught us that we are not to sit on the sidelines, that when there's something to be done for Jesus, you jump in the middle of it. Daddy was a humble man, but he did so many things for Jesus, and so did my mom. And so I married, I was never going to marry a preacher, because I didn't think I'd make a very good preacher's wife, but I did marry a preacher. (laughs) And God sent us to Fayetteville. And because we had already worked in many, uh, we had already started like eight crisis pregnancy centers in North Carolina. And then God sent us to Fayetteville. And I said, God, I'm not sure I'm supposed to go to Fayetteville, because my mother wouldn't even let me date in Fayetteville growing up. So, uh, but God said he had people here and he had plans. So we came to Fayetteville, and it has been the most awesome place to be because God's people are here. Yep. And the needs of people are here. So the two, hand in hand, have been wonderful. It's awesome. been a good experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and so... What about the pro-life movement in general? Have, uh, did you, have you always been involved in sort of pro-life movement? How did you originally get started with well, that? Well, I want to tell you, I taught kindergarten 40 years to love kids. We had five children of our own, and we borrowed four. Oh, wow. So we had foster children. I taught kids at church. And about 34 years ago, I saw an abortion on TV. And I was a, I was a pastor's wife. I was a teacher. I was a mother. And I was livid. I was so angry. How dare anyone kill a precious child? And so I wanted to fight, you know, like actually put up fists and fight. But God said he had a better plan. (laughs) So he sent me to a little crisis pregnancy center to take the training. I went to the crisis pregnancy center saying, God, I'll go and fold the baby clothes and pray over the baby clothes. But, God, I can't do more than that. But I'll do that part for you. So when I got there, I did pray over the baby clothes. But it wasn't long before um, the counselor did not show up that day. And a young woman walked in. Her daddy had just drove up on a Harley hog with a 14-year-old on the back. Hmm. He walked in and sort of threw her at me. And she said, I need a pregnancy test. I need to know if I'm pregnant. And I thought, oh, God, I haven't done this. He said, it's okay. He did. So I took her back, and I started talking to her about Jesus and how much he loves her. And we did a pregnancy test. She wasn't pregnant. Then I told her about how much God loves her and how he's the God of second chances. And she could start over and all these wonderful things. And she wanted Jesus. And I got, like, so excited. And then she said, will you tell my daddy that? And I said, you just bring your daddy down here. I'll tell him. (laughs) And she said, he's in the waiting room. And I went, oh, my God, that's her daddy. Because he was a little scary looking. But, but. We invited him in. He never said a word the whole time. So I shared with him what I'd shared with her. And then um, I asked him if I could pray with him. And he stood up and took my hand in his daughter's hand. 
and we started praying and the Holy Spirit fell so strong into the room that you could feel it was like three were in the fiery furnace and the fourth was unto the Son of God. And you could feel God working on each one of us. How dare me judge anybody? And I had done that in the young girl who'd gotten out of God's path. And now she was his child, but didn't know what he was dealing with with the daddy. Mm -hmm. And as we said, amen, he turned around to me and he said, ma'am, I lost my job this week. My wife left me. I thought my 14-year-old girl was pregnant. He said, and I was planning on killing myself this weekend. Wow. He said, you have shown me a different way. He said, and I'm going to live for Jesus. And he walked out. And that was the first I expect when I get to heaven, he's still driving the Harley Hog yeah. in the streets of heaven. But I really believe that was God's way of saying, no more folding the baby clothes. Yep. Because I really believe, Patrick, we have got to start being bold. God did not call us to be cowards. He called us to have a strength and, a, and strong like he is. And if God calls you to something, he'll equip you. Because if anybody ever told me I'd speak in over 100 churches a year, I would have died. Because yeah. I got up to speak in my classes in school and I would cry. But when God calls you, he gives you what you need. So it's been an awesome walk with Jesus for 34 years. Awesome. My husband and I have done this together. Last um, February, he went to be with Jesus. Yeah. But his last words to me were, carry on the battle is not won yet and so we do this because we love jesus all the volunteers you see here at night none of them are paid they come every time the doors open and they reach out to others i met the most awesome christian people that are willing to take a stand and put feet to it and that's what god wants he wants a heart our hands and our feet so it's been awesome yeah that's awesome um, can you tell us a little bit more? You know, you mentioned the volunteers that work here. Can you tell us uh, maybe a little bit about Agape itself? How did you get started with uh, the, the clinic here? And then uh, just tell us a little bit more about the clinic itself. Okay, we had been in other cities, and so we had to start them there. So I came to Feb when I said, and God helped me to read. Um, it wanted me to read The Dream Giver by Dr. Bruce Wilkinson. Yep. If you've ever read that book, you better not read it unless you're willing to get up and do something about it. So I stayed up all night long reading it one night. And every time i get to something, I'd hit my husband. I'd say, wake up, wake up, listen to this. Yeah. And we already had a little house on the other side of town. But God said he wanted us. He spoke to me, and he said, I want you to go take the old abortion clinic that has been an abortion clinic for 27 years, and I want you to redeem it in my name. And I went, God, have you seen that place? That's a nasty place. I said, the devil lives there. Yeah. He said, I know, and it's time for him to get out. So I, to- I said, will you tell my husband? I'm not going to tell my husband this because I didn't have any money to buy this land and this yeah. building. So I said, will you tell my husband, and I want him to tell me. So he was coming home from visiting someone sick, and on his way home, God told him. He got home, he said, Helen, you're never going to believe what God has revealed to me. I said, try me. Wow. And he said, God has told us to buy the old abortion clinic. I said, I know, isn't this exciting? He said, you already knew. I said, yeah, but I told him to tell you because (laughs) you might think I'm a little crazy. (laughs) I said, but we didn't have the money. It was like $127,000. But I said, but God, I said, God, we don't have $127,000. He said, Helen, I want to tell you this. Don't you ever ask me where the money comes from. 
He said, all you're supposed to do is to thank me, and I promise you it will be there. Yeah. Within two days, we were handed a check for $127,000 wow. from wow. one person wow. that God laid it on his heart. And so when we got to this place, the demons in here were huge. There was um, so much. The windows were boarded up. 150,000 children died in this place. And so the the death was in in the place. So we had people come and we marched around the building. We prayed over it. We prayed over every room. We anointed every anything that was left in the building was thrown away. Then we didn't want anything the devil had. Yeah. Uh, and so we started taking the boards off the windows and anointing every room, anointing every room. And God moved in. And in the room where we have the ultrasound machine, it's also a chapel. Mm -hmm. So we took those boards down first, and the sunlight flooded the room and went down the hall. And I said, oh, honey, look, the devil has left. His bags are packed, and he ain't coming back. And it was like, this is God's place. Even the little children who come here with their mothers, they don't want to leave. Because of their innocence, they know that Jesus is here. We've had prostitutes come off the street and say, can I just sit in the children's room for a few minutes? So I asked one one day, I said, honey, why do you do that? Because I would always try to share Jesus with her. She said, Miss Helen, I killed three of my children in this place. I am closest to them when I come in here and sit. So we're still praying for her. But we have been here in this building for 19 years. We have seen God's hand time and time again. Tonight a girl comes in and she brings stuff. Her little girl died. We helped her, but a little girl died. But she brought the stuff to share with someone else. We had a chance to pray and just love on each other. That's what we do it for. It's for not just for saving the babies, which is an awesome thing. But it's for saving the mothers. Or the young girl who came to us, she called me on the phone. She said, do you do a two-for-one sale? And I thought, what's a two-for-one sale? And she said, I'm expecting twins, and I want to know if you abort both my babies for the price of one. Oh, my God. And I said, honey, you need to come talk to me. She said, it's okay. I already have an appointment at the abortion clinic on Thursday at 10 o'clock. I said, you still need to come talk to me. She came in, the most beautiful young woman you've ever seen. But I didn't talk about her babies when we got in the room. I talked about her. Yeah. I said, why, 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 what is going on? Why do you not want your children? What has your life been like? And she said every day of her life, her mother told her she was ugly. She was so beautiful. She told me I should have been aborted. She told me that's the reason my daddy left is because I was so ugly. She heard this every day of her life. And now her mother was telling her to abort these precious little girls. So we spent time together. And uh, I told her about Jesus. She said, I don't know much about Jesus. She said, we cussed him in our house. I said, we don't do that around here, but let me tell you about my Jesus. So when she started to leave, I said, may I pray for you? She said, yes, but I don't pray. I said, it's okay. I'll pray for you. I said, but honey, here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray your washing machine overflows the floor on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. I'm going to pray there's four flat tires. I'm going to pray that it's a foot of snow. Or I'm going to pray that they won't take your insurance card when you get to the abortion clinic. She said, you would pray that? I said, yes, I will. And I prayed it. And she left. So we started praying. So about 
11 o'clock on on um, that Thursday. We were all praying. I called her and I said to her, tell me what happened this morning. And she was happy. I said, something tells me we still have two little girls in the womb. Yep. She said, we did, but what is this? They wouldn't even take my insurance card today, and they approved it last yeah. week. Yep. I said, honey, that's Jesus. She said, is Jesus everywhere I go? I said, oh, yeah, he yeah. is. She said, I'll come see you next week. She went to Raleigh with cash in her hand, walked into an abortion clinic, held out the cash and said, I want to abort my twins, and here's the cash. Yeah. The abortionist wouldn't touch her he backed away from her he said i wouldn't touch you if you were the if if i needed that money wow. he said there's something around you and i'm not going to touch you because i'll die if i touch you wow That's and she said what was that miss helen i said that was the angels looking after you yeah. and that man even though he was evil he recognized that there was something different she said, but Jesus was in Raleigh. I said, told you, Jesus He's is everywhere. everywhere. So we helped her through the pregnancy. She kept the babies. God is so good. She would come in carrying both babies. And she would say, Miss Helen, my good mama. I said, yes, you are, honey. Look at them. She got saved. She started going to church. And she said, uh, she said, Miss Helen, I met a man at church. I said, uh-uh, no man for you unless I meet him first. Mm-hmm. I got to check him out. She said, what do you mean? I said, I am your other mother. She said, Miss Helen, you're not my other mother. You are my mother. And so at Christmas this year, she'd moved out of the area, and I saw her for about a year or two years off and on a lot. But this Christmas, I said, God, can I have a special blessing this Christmas? Would you please have her call me so I can know how my little girls are doing? Because I call them my godchildren. And she called within 10 minutes. And she said, I'm going to send you pictures of the girls. They've grown so much. They love Jesus. And I just wanted you to know that you were on my mind today. And so I just wept. But see, Patrick, if it was only for one baby in this whole world, the way that we do this, it's worth it. Because if there was only one who needed Jesus to die, he would have done it. So we stayed the battle. So the stories are endless of God's mercy and grace and love. And just provisions. So, but he's an awesome God. That's awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about, I think there's some common misconceptions about abortion out there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, either false information that, that's told or just people don't really understand. Can you talk a little bit about what is abortion? What What's the process of abortion? Okay, we know that God is the creator of life and that a baby is conceived between a man and a woman, and life begins at conception. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that when it's created, it's life. Even before the heartbeat is there, we can hear the heartbeat. That's life. Abortion is going in and removing that life from a safe place where that little one's supposed to grow. That little one is a separate individual from the mother. God placed that baby in the safest place, supposedly, on earth, which is in the womb of a mother. Because if you try to take a, a, line, a cub or something away from a lion, she'll kill you. Mm-hmm. But in America, our mothers lay down and let someone take the precious baby away from them. And abortion is simply removing that baby and causing death to that child. All the plans that God had for that child, all the things that God wanted that child to do, and 
I call the mother who aborts and the baby that dies, the mother who aborts is the walking wounded because she walks with it forever. And the enemy tries to keep her bound up in that. And I heard this when I was listening to this um, this return thing. I heard about the abortionist who helped train all the abortionists back in 1973, how at 80-some years old he even aborted his own baby. And then he got saved, and then he regretted all the abortions that he was part of. And even in Roe versus Wade, she said, the lady that they used, she said that her greatest sadness was to lay down at night and know that they used her to cause so many millions of children's death. God is the author of life and death, not man. Israel was punished because they threw their babies to idols. In America, we have a payday with our Lord. We have sinned. We have sinned gravely because a child is a gift from God, not a burden and not trash and not to be used as experiments. And God is the author of life and death, not man. So abortion is is death, simply. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And how, how do you all... Uh, provide here at Agape? What services do you provide? How do you push back sort of uh, on the justification for abortion here at Agape? Okay, when they come in, we always try to sit across from each other. We talk to each other. I usually find out what some things going on in her life. Um, And usually if there's an abortion on her mind, there's something that's causing her to have an abortion on her mind. So we talk about... uh, and we, I do a lot of times have to find out about a relationship with Jesus because she has a relationship with Jesus. We can take us to Jesus so that she can see the child in that context. But if she doesn't know Jesus, then we can still take her to letting her see that this is a child she's carrying. We talk about um, why is it that you feel like you have to have an abortion? Is it because you feel like you can't provide for your child? Do you need diapers and clothes and wipes and car seats? Um, do you need food for your family? Is your boyfriend pushing it? Is he trying to pay for it? She says he loves me, and if I have the abortion, he said he'd stay with me. But statistics show that within six months, that boyfriend's gone, and she's left with all the burden of it. So we talk about those things. I have a video that I show them that simply doesn't show an abortion, but it shows um, the things that she will go through when she goes in there, some of the instruments and stuff they use, yeah. and, and this, and I share that with her if she wants to see it, only if she wants to. And then we talk about there are some consequences that come from that. We have two of our precious ladies here that never had any more children after they had an abortion. Wow. So we share that with them. I try to develop a relationship with them um, because so many of them are lost because what they're doing, mom and daddy's doing. And so they need to find truth. And I always say truth floats. We talk about truth, truth in who she is. And I want her to self, I want her to come to realize that she is valuable and she's not someone's doormat, that Jesus Christ died for her and that she is fearfully and wonderfully made and that God even has a plan for this little one she's carrying. 
So, and we don't just let them see us one time. We give a whole huge lay It's like a baby shower in a basket. Diapers, wipes, bottles, pacifiers, everything. Homemade blankets. They cry over the basket. We give car seats. We give parenting classes. We just, just pour out on them. And they'll say, where did this basket come from? And I always say, Jesus gave it to you. And it's true because God's people gave it in Jesus' name. And so then she can come back. She doesn't come one time. I have, I have girls that come back, but their children are 9 and 10 years old now. They just want to come by and tell me how they're doing. Yep. They'll come by and say, Miss Helen, I finished my college, or I just wanted you to see my little girl now. She's 9 years old. She's leading worship at church. Wow. So I, am, I used to say I'm blessed, but my new word is I'm beyond blessed. Yep. I'm the most beyond blessed woman in this whole world because I have seen my God and I've seen what he's done with these precious mothers and these children. And I know that he has more awesome plans ahead. Sure does. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, You talked a little bit about uh, where, uh, what you provide for for families uh, here in the community. Can you talk a little bit about um, where do you get the resources from? Is it primarily from donation? Is it um, anything like that? And then also, do you guys work outside of the Fayetteville area? I know you've mentioned other yes. clinics. Um, we don't take any money from the government. They ain't got any. Yep. <laughs> they, and they would tell me, I couldn't say, Jesus, I don't want any of their money. Yeah. It is God's people. It is, it is churches. It is individuals. I have one little lady who sends me $20 a month. I have a little handicapped man who walks in with two bags of groceries every two weeks from his Social Security. This is the people that are the hands and feet of Christ. God has blessed us with Christians who want to take a stand. And this is the way they stand up. They provide the diapers and the clothes and the wipes and and all the things that are needed for this mother. And it makes a difference. And it's... It's like you can't give God. And do we go to other places? Oh, yes. We have one and done. I'm there on Wednesdays. I go to Lumberton on Tuesdays. But we don't just stay in North Carolina. We go four times a year to Jenkins, Kentucky, up in the Appalachian Mountains. We have found a little town there that the coal miners all lost their jobs. There's nothing for the mamas and babies there. So we take, we just took $7,000 worth of stuff up, diapers, wipes, and all that. We took it up there to them, to a little missionary. She passes out. We're going back at Christmas. We're providing uh, toys and blankets and all this stuff for 1,000 kids at Christmas. We couldn't do any of this without God's people. It is God's people who's doing it. And it's just... um, exciting to see god's people make a difference yeah so and we can keep doing it yeah we can only do it as long as they do their part so it's almost like it's what we were meant to do amen (laughs) (laughs) uh all right let's talk a little bit about some common perceptions of the pro-life movement uh sort of as a whole and at a national level i think there's a very popular opinion out there that the pro-life community is just trying to you know control women's bodies uh, that pro-lifers don't want women to have access to health care uh, and that they do not want women to have a right to choose what's best for themselves, right? Uh, you are a pro-life woman. What's your take? I am a pro-life woman, and I believe that, I seriously believe that if there's a baby in your womb, 
You two may have had the sex, but God created the child. And there is a purpose and a plan for that child. And I believe that the greatest health care is for her to deliver that child so that she doesn't have all the pain and sorrow of killing her child. My precious little daughter died 43 years ago this month. I didn't kill her. She died. Every October the 19th, it comes around and I relive that day. I have heard so many women say, I relive it every day, this abortion. I re- You're not being caring for the woman if you think abortion helps them. I have never met a woman in 34 years who's ever been glad she killed her baby. All I have seen is the hurt and the pain, and the only way that that is ever relieved is because they find forgiveness from Jesus in themselves. And these people that are telling you this, do you think they care for you? They only want your money. It is big business to kill children. It's, it's just big business. You are killing a child for $500, $600, $700. Then they even have scholarships. They target these um, poor women, and they'll give them a scholarship to kill their baby. Don't tell me to do anything positive to help these little ones or to help these mamas because they're not. And and I'm telling you, you're going to stand before Jesus, and you're going to have to say, Jesus says it's wrong to kill he says, he says, rescue those being led away to death. That's our babies. Yep. And he says, if we don't, we're not going to stand before him and say we didn't know it. Because God knows our heart. And I challenge every... I, and if you think you can sit on the sidelines and not choose, you have chosen. Mm-hmm. You need to stand up. Go to God and ask him. You could have been an abortion but somebody cared enough to bring you into the world. So, no, if I, I'm not pro-death. I'm pro-life. Yeah. And my God is pro-life. God is still the author of life and death. Yeah. And I'll take on anyone who says differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of along those same lines, another perception of pro-life folks is that they care more about bodies inside the womb than about bodies outside the womb. I'll give you a quick example. In the aftermath of police shootings of minority men in the United States, there's often a conversation about whether or not our nation cares about the lives of minorities, for example. And so I actually came under some scrutiny uh, here recently on social media because I pointed out the huge disparity between how how many unarmed black men were killed by police each year, which is nine uh, in 2019. Uh, versus how many black Americans were killed by abortion each year. Uh, in 2011, there's over 360,000, right? That's right. Uh, and, f- and for pointing out that, uh, you know, people were, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, whenever I pointed that out uh, and pointed out that if people were, people were genuinely concerned about uh, stopping some sort of racially unjust mm-hmm. system, then they should start with abortion because statistically it's a much greater and much more significant problem. Uh, would you agree, disagree? Would you say that the pro-life community at large is more concerned with just children in the womb or, uh, you know, what's your take on sort of that? 
we're concerned with that. My God told me a long time ago that it's every mother and every baby he puts in front of me. That is my mission field. And that is true. And 70% of the women we see are African Americans. We care for these women enough to stand in the gap for them. We care enough that if you come to our doors, we will give you the diapers and the wipes. We'll pray for you. We're not just trying to look after that baby. We want you both to be taken care of. And we grieve over anybody that dies, the young man in the street or the young baby in the womb. Just still again, it's unjust if it's you know, murder or whatever, but murder is murder. Yeah. So we've got to start realizing that we're human beings and all human beings have value. Yeah. And if more dads would be dads, there'd be less murders on the streets. And I t a lot of dads sometimes will come with the mothers. And I had a young man the other day, he said, I, I want her to kill this baby, I don't want it. I said, son, did you have a daddy? He said, well, he did, but I didn't ever see him. I said, what kind of daddy would you like, son? would you have liked? And he told me, I wanted one to play baseball with, to race cars with, the, to talk shop with. He said, but I never had that. I said, well, this little boy in the womb wants the same thing from his daddy yeah. that you wanted. And he chose life for his baby. That's awesome. So truth, if you're going to tell it, tell it all, tell the truth, that every human being is valuable, even the handicapped ones. That all of us have value. And there's a plan for every one of us. Yeah. So. Speaking of truth, uh, you know, abortion activists will often refer to a child in the womb as a clump of cells, right? <laughs> it's very common. Um, I know you've talked a little bit about uh, your take on, uh, you know, life in the womb and that kind of thing. But scientifically, when does life start? You know, even, even for the people who don't necessarily believe that God is the one who creates a life in the womb, scientifically... Where does it start? Is it at birth? Uh, is it at the heartbeat? Is it at some randomly generated time during a pre pregnancy that a, a politician makes up? Uh, or, you know, what's your take? When, when does it begin? When it's living. And when the mother and the father come together, and the cells start coming together, it's a living, living person. Yeah. It might not have all its parts yet, but it's all there in the plant. Yeah. So it's living. When it's living... And to me, it's from the time it's fertilized. I believe that with all my heart. And I think it's really neat that God gives us an early date to hear the heartbeat. Because if you're just killing a, um, a blob, why is there a heartbeat, you know? Yeah. And I see babies all the time that are born at 18, 19, 20 weeks. And they're, don't, they're just little. Yeah. They're not monsters. They're not grotesque. They're just little tiny human beings. And so I believe that as soon as that mother and father comes together and God enters in, whether you believe in God, somebody has to put this together. Yeah. It's life. Yeah. And when it's life, that's it. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Next, I want to talk a little bit about sort of the role that the church plays uh, in all of this. You know, obviously um, the pro-life community is largely made up of 
uh, Christians. What role do you think that the Christian church itself plays in the pro-life movement? Um, obviously, you're doing you know a significant part here, uh, but at a national scale, what else does the, the Christian church need to do? We need to stand up. Yeah. We need to quit being cowards. The shepherds need to be shepherds and quit being guided by the one or two people that they don't want to offend. I'm just going to be pure, just pure out and out. My husband was a pastor all those years, and he would tell it from the pulpit that a baby is a gift from God, a baby, abortion is wrong. And he took slack for it, but he never backed up. And when our shepherds start standing for it, so will the, so will the sheep. And if America would simply stand for life and put life people in there, then there would be no more abortions. I saw, I went to vote last year, or year before last, and this man said, will you vote for me? I said, how you stand on life? He said, well, my mother's a good Catholic. I said, I didn't ask about your mother. I want to know about you. And he couldn't answer me. So don't put anybody in. I think that's the biggest question, the biggest sin in America today is abortion. Because if we get this right in life, then I think everything else will work out. And America can do it. God will forgive us. But we in the church, and he's not calling the heathens to make a difference. He's calling his church to stand up make a difference. And that's in this pro-life stuff too. Because I've seen pastors, went to speak at a church one time, and I took my little granddaughter with me. And I was invited there to speak on life. So I spoke that abortion is a sin, but God loves you if you've had an abortion. You can come to God and ask for forgiveness. And this family got up and left. And so I didn't think much about it. But then when the pastor got up, he said, well, there is a time when abortion should be done. And my little granddaughter, who was about six at the time, said, Giga, he didn't listen to a word you said. Which is true. If you don't believe me, you go ask God. You know? And I don't know how you can live in this world without God. Because God gave you everything. Your breath, who you are. He gave you everything. And he's calling you. He's calling you to be his child. And I tell people, I got backed over by a car last year. Should be dead, but God said no. And when I went to the hospital, I mean, I was 69 at the time, and they said, why do you not have a brain concussion? Why do you not breathe on the brain? Why do you have no broken bones? What, what, is, what is this with you? I said, it's called Jesus. Jesus took care of me. This lady came in to me. She said, do you smoke? Do you drink? She named off all this stuff. I said, no, ma'am, don't need to get my highs like that. Yeah. She said, what do you mean? I said, she said, you certainly leave a boring life if you're just doing it with Jesus. I said, honey, no, it's your life that's boring. Yeah. I just got backed up by a car, and I'm here talking to you. <laughs> so don't tell me I'm leading a boring yeah, life. <laughs> but it, it, is, it is time that, and we should not be afraid to share what we know is true and right. Don't be afraid. And there's some young girl around you that may be pregnant. She just needs somebody to reach out to her. Yeah. You don't. She don't want you to judge her. That's not your job anyway. Just love on her. 
bring her to see us, and we'll love her no more and help her with the things she needs for her baby. So. Just a couple more questions for you. Uh, sorry, thanks for uh, taking all this time with us. But um, So recently, I think one thing that I've really been emphasizing whenever I, I talk to people is that we as a society sort of need to define where our standards for right and wrong come from, right? Amen. Uh, and so, for example, if the government were to legalize something absolutely awful like human Bullshit. trafficking, <laughs> that wouldn't all of a sudden make human trafficking morally right just because the government says that it's legal, right? Uh, and so I think the same ought to apply to everything else in life. And so I guess sort of the root of the question here is who's ultimately responsible for stopping abortion? Do you think it's do you think it's the government? Does the government play a role? Do you think it's parents teaching their children? Do you think it's the church trying to advocate on behalf of the unborn? Who sort of owns that responsibility in society? Us as individuals, each one of us, we own that responsibility because we can't account for somebody else. We account for what we've got to do when we stand before our Lord and Savior. One person can make a difference. I mean, you look at history, one person can make a dis difference. And you can too if you would just let God lead you into that. And it's neat to see how God will do that with you. Um, I got sidetracked, but so what was the rest of the question? Sorry. Uh, original question was, who owns responsibility in society for stopping it? Is the government, parents, okay. church? Yeah. We do. How we vote. Um, how we take a stand, how we give to ministries that are taking a stand, how we don't shrink back from, and if your child gets pregnant and you're a Christian, you don't take him for an abortion. And I know of a deacon that did that. And his daughter is so messed up the rest of her life because he didn't want the church to know. So it's time that we come before. There's an absolute truth, and the absolute truth is Jesus. Yep. And that's what's wrong with our world. We took away whatever feels good, do it. And that don't work. It does not work. It is, it is what is good, what is right. And God didn't give us those things in the Bible just to be telling us something, to be like a, a mean daddy telling us not to do stuff. He did it for our protection. Yeah. And so there is an absolute right. There is an absolute truth. And it, the government doesn't give me my absolute truths. He doesn't, they do not give me my absolute truths, but I can give the government the absolute truth right. <laughs> if I stand and That's if right. I vote accordingly. Yep. Awesome. So. If you could send a message to a young woman out there, any young woman right now either considering abortion or that has already had an abortion, uh, what would that message be? The first thing I'd say to you if you've had an abortion is Jesus loves you so much, honey. He loves you more than you'll ever know. You have not done the unpardonable sin. That child is with him. And if you want to see your child again, then find out who Jesus is so that you two can be reunited. Tell your story so that you might make a difference in other lives of women that are pregnant. Tell your story. Don't keep it in the darkness. If you do, the enemy will use it against you and will cause you so much pain and heartache. To tell your story. If you're pregnant tonight and you're scared and you don't know what to do, you have a heavenly father 
that is there with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has placed people in places that can help you. If your mom and daddy don't even want you to have this baby, God created this child. If your boyfriend has left you, God created this child. If you're not sure how you're going to find a diaper or a car seat or whatever, God has provided. You call. And if you want to call me, 910-308-2583. We'll walk through it together. And um, we have taken children. I have taken children home with me when mothers were going through a tough time until they could get things back right. So don't give up. If you kill this child, it may take care of a problem for a few minutes, but it causes too many more problems down the road. I met an 83-year-old woman aborted a baby before it was legal. Mm. She had nine more children. Would you like to know which child she hears crying in the night? Her first one. Because that's what abortion does. It hurts. It doesn't just kill the baby. It wounds the mother. Okay, final question. Uh, This year has been pretty wild. uh, And with so much hate, evil going on in the world, our podcast really seeks to examine what God is doing in America and how the church is able to affect his vision for the world right now. And so on that note, uh, who is God in modern America, and what do you think his stance is on abortion? Who is God? He's everything. He's my creator, sustainer, Abba Daddy. And he, he doesn't like abortion. He loves life. And the God, the God, God has got things going on. And I want to say this, too. Quit complaining because things are stinking rotten right now. God did not make a mistake by putting you into the world for such a time as this. This is an exciting time to be a child of God. The rest of the world is falling apart. You walk around with the hope. They're going to ask you, where, why do you walk like that? It is a golden opportunity to share Jesus Christ with a world that so desperately needs Jesus. And this is the time to do it. Now, if everything was hunky-dory, they wouldn't ask you about your hope. But now you can say, so we're like Esther. We're here now. And so I told somebody today, I said, I am so excited to be living now because we can make a difference one person at a time. So, um, yeah, that, that's right. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate your time so much. Thank and, you uh, so much. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Millennial God podcast. Make sure to rate us and leave a review so others can find out about us. If you want to support this podcast and keep us on the air, click on the link in the show description to find out how. And if you ever have any questions or want to reach out, you can contact us at millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com. That's Millennial